0: Hello, and welcome to season two, episode five of Love Most, the podcast with Dea, brought to you by Live Mana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. When I thought of my podcast as a concept, I saw no separation amongst us. I wanted to connect with people and help connect those people with you. Love Most, the podcast with Dea is an inclusive platform where I get to speak with people from all walks of life, People that are doing incredible things to help impact their immediate communities or help impact the world around them in some way via book, a product, a service, and even a podcast. When you love most, you include, not exclude. Love is not just a feeling. Love is a decision. Love is a choice. And love is an action. And in a world where there is so much bullying, public shaming, and judging, I am inviting you today to above all things, love most. Now I have an incredible guest for you today. So let's get started. (laughs) How are you helping change the world around you? Welcome to Love Most the podcast with Dea where you are invited to share your gifts and to above all things love most brought to you by Dea Music Ministry for more information on how to be a guest please visit www.dea that's www dea www.dayamusicministry.net Hi, how are you? Oh, let me unmute you. I'm so sorry. Okay, there you are. How are you?
1: Hi, hi. how are you doing? Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Everyone, please welcome Dr. Iman Tahiri. So I'm going to start by reading your bio because I think everyone wants to know a little bit more about what you do and who you are. You are an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, you graduated from Tehran University Medical Science as the youngest general surgeon in 2014. You have been practicing trauma surgeries worldwide with priority on the challenged regions, volunteering in war-torn and poverty-stricken areas. You consult with individuals and businesses on critical intersection of health, mental, emotional, and physical, and performance, helping them reduce turnover and increase innovation and output and create and helping them create a more cohesive sense of team. You promote an environment of unity, creativity and increased profitability. As a chief strategist, you work with business leaders and executive teams to assess features in the workplace, reimagining the workplace to get ahead of competitors. Uh, you are a community influencer and esp- expert on content development, marketing, marketing strategies, motivational graphic video creation for various social media platforms. Using your education skills and professional knowledge and life experience, you are focused on promoting confidence, leadership, positive outlook, and a healthy mindset for the worldwide audience of 140 countries and counting. As an ethical and altruistic leader, You serve on the board of trustees of Read the Past, Write the Future. This nonprofit organization uh, promotes literacy and creative writing as a mechanism to record the dreams of students around the globe. Uh, Last but not least, as a prolific uh, keynote speaker, you serve as a regular guest on various podcasts and events worldwide. You are an established writer and a poet, and you currently reside in Toronto, Canada. So thank you again for being here. You are amazing. So Welcome. let's start with. <laughs> let's start.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. That was uh, that was quite a bio. If you ask me, I am a poet, an observer who try to make change.
0: Absolutely, and it's wonderful. You are wonderful, and I'm so glad to have you here today. So I'm going to start with the questions. Okay, so. First and foremost, uh when did you know that you wanted to be a surgeon, and who is Mr. Doctor?
1: Uh, well, as a child, when I was about maybe five or six, I remembered I was playing at my grandfather's house, and they had this beautiful old photo on the wall, you know the image of this mysterious. Well-dressed man who was sitting, standing by uh, Eiffel Tower, and when I asked about him, everyone was so was so proud, and everyone just—I remember my grandfather started to talk about him. Uh, he was his son, his his, his grandfather. So uh, it would be my great grandfather, okay. which they called it exactly, Mister Doctor back then uh he was one of the first official doctors in the country and uh so mysterious and uh i think that was the conditioning that started happening on my mind and i couldn't see any other fulfilling task to do in my life than just being something like him and i i that, and as I said, I'm not even sure if it was my choice, or it was just the conditioning that I just, I decided to become a doctor that day and uh, I technically didn't seriously think about anything else during mm. my childhood and my uh, when I was a teenager and that was how everything started as a, as a doctor or surgeon,
0: yeah. That is wonderful. So from what I understand, you started your studies at age 17 and graduated at the age of 27. You became a general surgeon and then a trauma surgeon and traveled. Well, we'll talk about that part when you became a trauma surgeon. But then you traveled to Dubai to work as a plastic surgeon and many things happens in between, happened in between but i wanted to go back to the part of when you became a trauma surgeon when you chose to work in the war-torn war war-torn and poverty-stricken communities you know the challenged communities what was that like for you how did that affect your life
1: that was the let's say the life-changing experience for me i i always had this idea that i don't plan i mm-hmm. just invite events to into my life
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, about anything i just don't push i just and i, I open my heart to receive whatever comes to me uh, i remember i did right after i graduated it was uh you know after graduation you have to choose where are you gonna serve for about maybe one or two years to give back to community in my country Mm -hmm. after they call it like, uh, pay for service that kind of like, you can choose any city, any places. But when I logged into my portal on, uh, on the website, the first thing popped up was that area. And I noticed that Mm -hmm. the hospital was built about maybe four or five years before, and they never had a surgeon because no one accepted to go there.
0: Wow.
1: And I, I just maybe give it a try or not i you know i always loved trauma and trauma surgery was one of my like biggest passion and i knew that when i go there that would be a quite experience and I, I tried i signed up i loved, i signed up for that place and uh
0: and you lived in the hospital correct from what i understand you lived in the hospital yeah
1: back there yeah but when i get there yeah so when i when i signed up like five minutes later the Let's say the manager of the hospital called called me. Said "Uh, I think there is something wrong, and you you applied for us. Yeah, I did. And he didn't believe that like someone (laughs) like me. Just you know, like from the capital city, I want to go there, and I just um, he arranged my my uh, transfer in maybe less than two days. I find myself in that area, southern Iran, and middle of nowhere, actually. And the only building back there was just a hospital. People lived in tents, which is part of the culture, like architecture, architectural Mm -hmm. culture back there. And uh, yeah, I just jumped into the experience and I spent over two years in that area. And that was, I guess that was the most eye-opening, eye-opener experience I've ever had. And I can at imagine.
0: Point the of I can imagine. Now, for those who are watching who don't really know what trauma surgery is, it sounds like it's anything that happens, right? You have to really address as they come, whatever issues it may be, whether it's childbirth or somebody cut, had an arm cut off, you have to perform surgery on whatever the trauma is, correct? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so yeah. technically, these people have never seen a, have never seen a surgeon before and I did almost everything, not just trauma surgery. I, wow. was, I was there for all everything. the, uh, let's say, medical care uh, provider, but as a, that area is a drug war zone. So uh, you can imagine that there's a lot of shooting, a lot of trauma, a lot of uh, events happening around. So of course, trauma surgery was one of the, my like, most significant
0: parts. Okay, so now, when we read the bio, it says that you are currently residing in Toronto, Canada, and I wanted you to take us back to, okay, so you went, after working in the, air, in the, in the war, war-torn areas, you, apparently you went to Dubai, correct? And you had the plastic surgeon phase, and then you had come to visit family in Canada, and then the pandemic happened, right? So do you want to tell us what happened after the pandemic? I mean, how, what, what, what was it for you? What was it like for you?
1: Well, we I think we need to this this part from trauma surgery on that that area to what's happened that you ended up in Dubai
0: and how things. I'm gonna changed. go back to that as a question, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so- I, I, I'm gonna go back to that. So when I go back to the plastic surgery part of the question, I'll have you go back and rewind and and make that transition for me. But or, or if you want to do it now, we can. Do you want to do you want me to switch back to that so we don't so skip it?
1: I I I think that this. Even though that was not, you know, that plan has never came to Mm
0: -hmm.
1: actual action. But that Mm -hmm. was a really important part of my journey because the the reason that I left that area after two years, so my service was done. Okay. And they asked me to make a contract with them. So from volunteering, I need to be their uh, employee. And the culture of that, after two years, they start to questioning me and my approach towards, because after two years among those people, I really felt that, you know, the bound between us. I received some not so pleasant feedbacks about don't get engaged with your patients emotionally, which means don't hold their hand, you know, mm-hmm. and don't. Visit them regularly at their home, at you know, their, their tents, and they not just go. You know, they, they, you know, this is the the real conventional medicine ethic uh, rules. So say professional, stay in the office and just do what you've been asked to. Right. And this disappointment was it was a huge. Just after two years, I didn't expect that, mm-hmm. and I think you know what? Maybe I am valuing the poet side of me too much and i just need to be like others and that decision of me being uh, getting back to the more let's say no offense to my colleagues but more per- superficial uh side of medicine and just you know giving up on my calling inside mm. that decision was okay so it was easy i uh, thank God, I was born in a filthy family, and I was I had access to you know I could do anything I want, mm-hmm. and I just make some contact, and they say yeah you are more than welcome to come to Dubai. I contact one of my friends who were doing plastic surgery there. I did all the exams like in less than six months, everything was so ready to do to to go. And uh, I start with you know I, I start because you you need to start at, uh, under super supervision, and I was one step before I have my own clinic and like my, my private practice, even though, you know, when you're making a decision, which is not close to your heart, but you say, well, you know what on paper, everything is fine. Everything is okay. Everything you're just putting, you're, you're overthinking. That was the moment that, and I think, the, the, so from now on, everything happening for me is the universe come to play to just take me out of that lifestyle or that, mm-hmm. uh, The future that I was imagining, that's, that's good for me. I had about two months for like a free time and my Mm -hmm. sister lived in uh, Toronto back then. And I said, okay, so let's just have some family time. I am a Canadian resident, and let's go there and spend some time with my family. Mm -hmm. I came to Toronto for first six weeks. Everything was just as I did. I planned to, I was perfect tourist. And I just spent everything, I mean, you know, my time was just uh, with my family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And right there when pandemic was announced, uh, my, let's say, self-discovery journey has started. So we can mm-hmm. talk about it now.
0: Okay. So, yeah, so we're going <laughs> to, that's great. It's quite, it, you know, I actually love that you talked about the aspect of the part of the of your career where you you felt this connection with people, but you are told to pull back because, mm-hmm. and then you know you you think, oh wow, what a disappointment that is, right? Because I, I think that from what I know of you, you there's an expression in English that says you wear your heart on your sleeve, and that goes when you're upset, but it also goes when you're loving, when you are mm-hmm. engaging with people, and you seem to be such a human connector from from what I know of you. I mean, I really think you're taking social media and the world by storm, I really do. Uh, you are a man on a mission with a heart of gold. I think your heart of, of immeasurable size, as we say in English, you know, and that is something that's such a gift, you know, so um, going to, um, now you are in Canada and the pandemic happens. Now you um were staying with your sister, correct? But then the pandemic happened and everything was locked and you couldn't go back home or back to Dubai, I assume, right? You're supposed to go back to Dubai. So so tell me what happened. You know, how did you how did you navigate that time when you realized that you couldn't go back to where you were before?
1: Well, uh so so we started with the idea of I was not hundred percent satisfied with the decision that I made, but I mm-hmm. saw everything is on you know on paper everything is, is okay pandemic happened and i uh, I usually use this this sound effect when I talk about that that mm-hmm. everything stopped everything it a long pause and nada I mean everything is just over and when you are in the middle of this storm, you probably don't see everything. You're just so engaged with the idea of life. Do, 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 do. And why exactly are you doing this? So at the beginning, again, I was there and I had this ego of the surgeon. And I was, okay, I spent more time here. Everything going to be all right. It's kind of like a denial. Yeah, everything will back to normal soon. And why not? So let's stay in Canada as long as everything just, Settle and it's it's better to be here. Back then, numbers in the Middle East were so high and everywhere so so close. You I know, mean, so everybody was just locked down. Okay, so let's let's stay in Canada. Mm-hmm. And doing nothing during very first weeks of pandemic, it gave me it's waked the the poet side mm. little by little. Okay. The more this ego was attacked. With, so from everywhere, you know, like no one ever knew me here in the city. Mm. And it doesn't matter who you are back then. And I just I felt so vulnerable. Mm. I came mm-hmm. here as a surgeon. I was with all these images on me. That yeah, the doctor, it, it, like son of, it, you know him and the dad and this and all the images and layers. And suddenly I was somewhere that no one ever knew me. no one ever noticed me doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you have money you're you're, you're fine if not to forget it and it was kind of like seriously it was heartbreak heartbreaking for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then i you know i as they say hit the rock button and i felt like wow what did you do with your life that if i remembered the conversations and when i was so proud talking to you know people that i met during pandemic it was not easy anyway but mm-hmm. i'm a doctor so will you practice i'm not practicing now. So you're not a doctor and that's, you know, the ego was so attacked. So what do you mean? I mean, I, and then, you know, you try to apply and then see how things work. And I, st- I take two exams. You need to go through two diff- like serious exams to, I said, mm-hmm. okay, let's do this. I was trying to e- gain back the ego. I did it to horrible exams. It takes like years. Oh, I did, I didn't in six months. Mm-hmm. Just to get back the name that I lost, that was you know, it
0: was like I need it. It's like your identity, it right? It was.
1: It gives me the strength, the power. The but the more I spent with nothing, but me and my heart and my, you know, the inner voice, the more I felt I found it inside. Oh my God, this yeah. is not what you actually want. This is not what makes you happy. And I, I started whatever you see on social media about a year ago, and i literally i started with just trying or like you know know, just playing around to see how things work and then share more a little bit of me and with with too much hesitation Mm. a little bit more a little bit more and then i created the persona of this strong uh i grow up doctor who come up and you know give some message and then disappear and then I felt no, this is it could be even more real. Why not? Just let's let be whatever you are, whoever you are. Back then I remember I was not even able to write two English sentences properly. Wow. But I made the I made decisions decisions and I'm I'm happy with them now.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, I think that you have um, a great sense of humor and a charm about you that is really engaging on social media. And I think that it's fair to say that your heart comes through in such a way that I think people even though you you had to figure this out you know you had the the ego of you know everything that was attached to the title of the surgeon that started to die and then your heart was flourishing but somehow the heart of the doctor that was in the war zone I think is what your heart is because it sounds like it comes out that way for everybody who sees you on social media you have a charm and sense of humor but there is a feeling, there is authenticity with you. It's not like you're pretending to be someone else. It's actually who I think you are, which is really great. It's a great combination. Uh, I'm really glad you're doing that. Um, what is your favorite? So would you say that there is a favorite part of being a, um, you know, a content creator? What is your favorite part of the work that you're doing now?
1: Uh there are so as you know, as a let's say solopreneur who do every who does everything by himself, there are some technical parts which is not my thing at all. Mm-hmm. I learned, of course, from every single thing from scratch. I learned how to do lighting, video, sound, uh, even the language and the literature. How what, we, what we we're going to say and how we we're going to say it, even to know the con- you know, the country or the society who are my target audience, because. Mm-hmm. If I was going to just share my poetries at the beginning, it was no one even would listen. What, what are you talking about, man? I mean, this is, what language is that? Right. Now I'm, I'm, I'm happy and proud that yeah, I show up on screen and I read a Farsi poetry and there are English speakers that have no idea what I'm talking about, but they do, they give me feedbacks and it's, it's amazing. Mm. I think the most, uh, like my favorite part is that you can show First of all, it's, it's my, my journey. I'm not doing a favor to this world. Of course, if you can help, if you can help just one person to heal better, to see other horizons, to feel better, that is amazing. I'm done with my job, but this is my journey. It's I'm learning and I want to make, first of all, to myself, to show that you can think differently, not everything that you, you know, this, this. Uh, boxes that they put in, you know, you put yourself and you limit yourself. You, you can just live in a different way. And there are more that we don't know. And let's let's try to to, to discover.
0: I love that. I love that concept. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that society puts us in boxes, you know, and it basically lies to us because individually, we all have separate gifts. So what may work for one person may not work for you. And they, they try to trim you in a certain way, you know, you have to be this way and that way. And really, life is about being open, right? About discovery, self-discovery. And you found out for yourself what self-discovery meant to you, but it may not be something for somebody else who might have had the same career that you had. So you had to be something so individualized that it actually made your heart surface even bigger, which is amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you, a couple of uh, quick questions where you have to pick one or the other and if you can't pick one or the other you will tell me why uh okay when it comes to relationships what's more important love or trust love love okay okay uh when it comes what comes first or maybe it's not first or last but is it success or happiness happiness happiness. Okay. I like your answers. I like your answers. Okay. I wanted to go back a little bit and talk about um, plastic surgery. We're not going to go all deep into it, but I did want your opinion concerning the aspect of vanity. When people do it because they just want to look good, right? Because I mean, in a way, I believe that, you know, not everyone who's looking, even for a cosmetic procedure, is looking to change who they are. You know, as you know, as a doctor, some people have ears like this, and you, you clip their ear back and their world changes. You know, they're not bullied anymore. So it's a cosmetic procedure, but it was something that impacted the way they felt about themselves because other people would make fun of them. Some people do plastic surgery just to kind of go back to what they used to be. And some people can overdo it. As you know, a lot of people can overdo it. What are your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about plastic surgery?
1: Well, wow, it's an interesting question. Uh, when I look back, and I, as I said, I'm so happy that this was not my path. Again, no offense, uh, but I think plastic surgery is a painkiller for the social traumas that we receive every day.
0: Very well put. It is. A,
1: you can can you criticize painkillers? I don't think so. But if we make it better work, you don't need painkillers. If you can control and you can prevent the pain from the beginning. And why someone must be bullied because of the shape of the ear, ear, you know? Right. Uh, It's not something I, I, that would be so optimistic to say, we can change it today and let's do this. So plastic surgery will be needed for a while. But even one step is. Mm -hmm. Maybe i can I can do that part is enough, and to make sure that no one is going to be judged because of the shape of their body and uh maybe next that would be that no one ever see themselves as the physic physical form that they have and uh I hope that one day we all learn that our body is the container for the soul, and that's it.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, you know, that's poetry right there. The body is a container for the soul. I think that we all bombarded with media, you know, what's out there, celebrities, and we people compare themselves physically. It's, It's difficult. I can tell you from a standpoint of a woman that is, you know, even young children now are starting to look at themselves and compare themselves with what's out there. So it's almost like the world just needs a total makeover, you know, when it comes to life concepts and how we see ourselves. The body is... A container for the soul. I really love that. I think you're very poetic. It's beautiful. Um, I want to ask you about, so go back to when you were fresh out of college, right? You're about to start your career. What would you say to that man, that young man of 27 years of age? I think that's when you finished your, your doctorate uh, studies. Go back to that day. And what would you tell yourself that you wish you knew then that you know now?
1: Hmm. Take it easy and uh, don't be too proud. Don't let your ego take over and be humble. There are things that you don't know.
0: Wow, that's great. Okay. Um, Generally speaking, you know, surgeons are addressing issues, fixing people physically, right, with their health or if they have an accident, if you will, but your commitment to health and wellness is something that is front and center. I know that you work with, you have a strong element of prevention in the way you talk about health and wellness. You believe in prevention, meaning having a good life, living living in a healthy way, both mentally, physically, and spiritually. Talk a little bit about your journey with your business with Juice Plus, because I think a lot of people would love to learn a little more about that. And also, how are you think you're impacting people, your audience, inspiring them to taking better care of themselves?
1: Uh, well, so... As we know that health has many different aspects, spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical health.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, doctors, as I know, they are more focused on physical health recently, maybe over the last 20 to 30, 40 years, mental health is something that's been addressed and known as recognized as part of medicine, emotional and spiritual health, of course, is still is missing. Mm-hmm. And I believe as when you talk about holistic medicine, as we talk about the, the holistic approach, the whole, if you want to see this, of course, physical health matters as well. Okay. And the basic is what you eat. I mean, the first connection from you and the, the environment is what you eat. I was in the middle of my journey, and I I looked everywhere. And one of my, let's say my that's funny, the, the thing that I started with, mm-hmm. with this passion to I mean not necessarily the urge to the need to become a doctor again to get back my ego at some point turned to be my biggest fear. Oh my god, I'd do anything not to go back there. Okay. After I I'd done my my exams and everything was ready and I didn't just apply to be uh, start practicing anywhere in Canada, I, I was so scared, I don't want it anymore. Mm. And that time I was introduced with Juice Plus, which is a natural product. It's not a magic pill. It's all natural, organic, plant-based food in capsules. And I was like, yeah, so that would be, because I think, I believe when you deal, when you work around healing and anyone's health, as I said, like all aspects, it's really hard to be an entrepreneur and make money out of it mm-hmm. as a surgeon. And like, you know, like two years of volunteering and all aspects of life. If you see health and well-being of others is not, it cannot be a business. It's really hard to make the balance. So I decided that my content and my, because I believe that I'm helping. I hope that I'm helping maybe some people with their health. healing process of healing you are (laughs) again it's not that i'm not healing them i'm helping them to heal this is what they're doing themselves yes but so i my content or my actions was free but i definitely needed to have business as well but that was when i was introduced with this product so that was perfect timing divine timing as i recently been experiencing it and i jumped into it i started Looking to the science, the knowledge, and the like uh, research and experience, and I say everything was too good to be true for me. And I started taking them myself after about maybe six weeks. I was all in and I just doing this, I think, forever because it's the simplest change for anyone to make a better life for themselves.
0: Absolutely. And I think that they use this, this phrase, bridge in the gap, right? It's like that bridge between health and wellness, because there is a difference, right? You can live healthy and not be well in a way, right? I think when you start to look for alternatives that are more organic and holistic, there is something that happens within our bodies and our minds. You know, you feel powerful that you're making the decision. I mean, some people, oh, I'm healthy. I go to the doctor every year. Well, that's, you could be healthy, but what about wellness? And Mm -hmm. I think that what you're doing is bridging all of that, you know, into one. And and it's it's amazing. And I really think that you are impacting your audience to to try to look at themselves and say, what am I doing to be healthy? I mean, if you're talking about it, let me listen in, let me take part. How can I take part? So amazing. Um so I know that if people want to learn more about your juice plus, they can go on your um, I'm going to put your um uh, social media at Dr. Iman and also your website. But on your on your Instagram page, they go on your link tree and there are all the links of the things that you do. So I hope if you are watching that you go check him out. It's it's really amazing what you're doing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about charity, right? Because I grew up around charity and to me, charity became a way of living. My mother was someone who cared about people very much. She was a dentist and a pediatric pediatric dentist. And she worked with children which she worked with in poverty stricken communities as well. So charity was a part of my life and I believe it's a way of living. You know, you you give because you've already been given, right? You don't give to get something back. You've just been given and you share your gifts with others. I know that that's something that is close to your heart and you have done uh, many things to help young people and and just people in general. Is there, and and I know that most recently you work on a, um 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 what do you say a fundraiser helping a little girl by the name of ikra can you tell us a little bit more about it i know you wanted to share about it
1: well charity is i I think we can we can have a whole topic about charity how we proceed how how we think about it the most recent one as you mentioned was this little girl from turkey ikra that i was introduced to her by I think a random event, maybe there is no randomness, but anyway, so I receive a message from uh, someone who was working with them, that this is the condition. I knew that her condition is one of the like about 6,000 children around the world. And that was really, I mean, it was not the first time that I've seen this this, uh, condition, which it's really heartbreaking how everything can be uh, about money these days. You know, the medication is there, but the company doesn't provide it until you pay two million dollars to save one child's life, which Incredible. doesn't doesn't fit anywhere in my mind. But I was, you know, I back then first case when I someone sent me a message about first SMA child was maybe eight months ago and I was not ready to do anything. I was so sad that I couldn't do it. and I reached out to a couple of friends. They they, they, they they you know, they turned me down and I was just so you know, like feel unable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when this case came up and I I jumped in and I started to talk to my community about the condition about her her, her situation and everyone just Started to do. I mean, my part, the biggest thing was just to open the door for anyone who wants to help. Uh, the message is, I think, more important than the money, because uh, in that case, my community raised about one or two, less than two percent of, you know, the the whole money that she needed. But the message was, you know, spreading, and hopefully, one day we uh, we see that there's no child just because, you know, of course, disease is inevitable. Right. I can talk about death as well, which is inevitable. You cannot say this is not fair or this is fair, but when there is a medication, when there is a cure and it's not provided just because of money, that is, that is- it's horrific. It is not a world that I want to live in. So I hope that one day we can make these things even better or smoother. Uh, But yeah so charity in itself is not just about money giving is you can give with your smile with your listening is charity your time is most valuable asset you can give to anyone and of course forgiving is the most uh precious thing you can give to anyone and yourself That
0: that is a beautiful answer you know i love how poetic you sound and everything that you say i wanted to have an opportunity to, I'm gonna ask you three questions about your poetry. And then of course, I want you to grace us with one of your poems of your choice. Uh, The first question that I have, because poetry is one of the things that you do and you do very well, I must say. uh, When did you start writing poems? Was it, I know you mentioned earlier that once you came to and you were in Toronto and the pandemic happened is when you felt that, you know, desire to write. But is that when it's actually started or had you written a poem before that?
1: Oh, no, I mean, poetry is probably the first discovery in my self-knowledge, self-knowing journey. I was about, let's say, maybe 10, 12 years old. And I, I was in school, and in school we have poetry in our books, and one of the books I remember it was from Rumi, and my teacher was teaching the poem, and you know, they read and you write down and, you know, pretty much like an old school stuff.
0: Okay.
1: And I read the first line and I start to write the, the, the rest by myself. Not, I mean, I changed the poem, Rumi's poem. <laughs> That's crazy at that, age 12.
0: <laughs> well, and, it's, uh, a start. it's a start.
1: Yeah, I use the first line and I write the rest for my, um, in my version.
0: Okay.
1: And when I, I, I remember my my mom found it and said, What is this? And they started reading and they so everyone was so fascinated. I said, how did you do that? And they you know, it this is this is maybe a cultural thing. They don't believe you. So well, where did you find it? So how did you find it? I was like, this is not this is not it's not possible that you did.
0: Oh wow.
1: the and then the next one came and the next one came and I started writing and since uh, the, the poetry is probably the, the oldest thing that I'm doing doing and the oldest thing I'm to, uh, over maybe now more than 25 years.
0: Wow. And
1: every time I write something, it's, you know, some, it's I surprise myself. Like, How did you do this? I mean, where did it come from? And, uh, but of course, English poetry is a whole different story. When yeah. I have my book published in Iran and my, my language poetry is, uh, my, my book is being republished. But uh, as someone who was not, familiar with this language and how mm-hmm. I try, I'm still trying to put things together to have you know to to have the whole idea of what I'm gonna say what I'm gonna deliver okay. I hope that I'm, I'm being successful
0: I think you will be there is a will there is a way right so that the second question I had was if there was and you mentioned the book Rumi but is there any particular other poet, or any events or something that inspired you to write poetry. I know you mentioned Rumi, but is there any other influence in the way you write poetry, even in your own language?
1: There are. I mean, I uh, there are a couple of uh, magnificent poet poets in my my like many many in my language in my in Farsi. But my my uh, favorites, of course, Hafez is one of my most uh, let's say my my favorites, and uh, there is uh, another poet called Hushang Eptahaj, which is a magic. It's it's, just, it's a magician of this language. How he does everything around words, it's you know it's mesmerizing.
0: That's amazing. Okay, so now the time has come. Would I asked you to share uh, one of your poems, poems of your choice, and we're all ready to listen to you.
1: Wow. All right. Thank you. Let me see. I knew that you're gonna ask me for that. I'm I'm ready for. This is the most recent poem that I translated. I usually don't translate my poems, you know, word by word. I rewrite them in English, and I
0: okay. I'm kind of like
1: obsessed with the the how it flows. You know, I just try to keep the rhythm flowing. I hope that I'm. Let's see how it goes. Okay,
0: we're ready. <clears throat>
1: You took my love as is, I wish, and end the pain and tears, I wish. You let me in, you held me tight, you kept me warm on rainy nights. Darling, our tale has been pending, I wish your lips were my ending. My word has been missing your light, I wish you led me back tonight. One day, for the sake of your eyes, pick me, I wish, to sacrifice.
0: Wow. <laughs> Bravo, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's amazing. Um, I have to say, I have heard a couple of your poems and when I listen to you in your language, which is Farsi, right, Farsi? Yeah. The, the language itself is fascinating, The the inflection. The way you speak the words—it's so beautiful. So I was equally enchanted listening uh, to in in Farsi as well as in in, uh, in English. I mean, it, it I've, I had the opportunity to hear you on social media. So I think continue, of course, continue to write. I'm sure that I hope your book is going to be translated into English, that we can you know have access to that as well. Um, I wanted to ask you one more question, and so what is next for you? What would you like to share with us? Um, you know, that is happening either in the near future or in the faraway future or whenever it happens. What is next for you?
1: Well, I, I posted something on my platform, maybe more than the first version was about six months ago. Okay. Then I asked my, my people a question that tomorrow morning you wake up, you can do anything you want for the rest of your life. What would you do? And then i give them a couple of seconds to think and i said wake up rest of your life i try to answer the same question for myself and my answer back then was uh i want to travel the world Mm
0: -hmm.
1: not to see buildings not to go places like luxury places that everyone has like okay let's travel the world i want to go there to find secrets of well-being secrets of happiness there are things that i don't know as a surgeon i knew that there are things that i don't know i reached to the level to know that i don't know nothing but i knew there are ancient approaches practices about wellness well-being and happiness thousands of years and what if i could go places and learn from them and now being blessed that i have the audience how i can okay now present them see what i found with the open heart and open mind and no uh prejudice about what what you learned before and uh i put it out there and you know that was a vision Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i maybe you want to call it like law of attraction you want to call it manifestation energy but things happen when you're ready and you, I, I believe in divine timing. Absolutely. Recently, I, uh, I'm so proud to be part of this network, townhouse network. And this is exactly they ask me to do: to go places around the world, to mm-hmm. find secrets of happiness, well-being, ancient practices with no judgment, with open heart, just to spend time with indigenous people with like just go places to meet extraordinary people, places and learn and then uh, bring it back to the, to my audience. And that would be my next next step.
0: It sounds like a dream. <laughs> it's a really great dream. Does, right? I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing all that you're going to do in the future. I can tell you that by the way that you engage with your audience, you know, you are a man on a mission for sure. I think your mission, of course, goes goes far beyond what you had as a career, but I think it was also a step in it. I think that even I see social media as something that none of it was accidental, of course. Everything that you've learned as a surgeon, your transition into the world that was not privileged world, right, when you're working with the poverty-stricken communities, the way your heart surfaced, the way they denied that to you and brought you back to the ego. Now out of the ego into this, it is the perfect storm. You know, this is what they call the perfect storm. Everything that didn't work led you to this new vision and this new dream that you get to live and and then you get to share with the audience. It's, It's absolutely perfect. I am so happy that you are here with me today in this interview, I have to say thank you, how privileged I feel to have had the honor to know you a little more and to share with my audience. How amazing you are. So I want to say thank you to you. And I think that knowing all about you, people have a reason to smile more, right? Because that's something that you believe. Um, You know, before you go, one quick thing that I wanted you to to talk about, because I heard you say this yesterday or the day before in one of your live uh, uh, on on social media. And I actually wrote it down on on my, um, let me take this little banner out and put it here. As a still, it's a formula that you created. And I want you to share with the audience because I think it's fantastic. Um, I couldn't put the greater than and equal signs together like you have it on yours. So I had to put happiness equals or it's greater than perception of an event in life minus the expectations of how life should behave. Give us a little bit of a, a comment about that equation that you created.
1: Well, thank you so much. This is not my equation. I So I always, I mean, that is, uh, it, I believe in it. That So mm-hmm. I had post before that if you. So the equation stations, that you share. Right? You, right, they you will be happy. But okay. I borrowed this equation from the book Soul for Happy by Mogadad, which okay. now one of the, my, this now is my holy book. I've read it like over 10 times. I'm still reading it every day and uh, because the way that he thinks is so close to my experiences and my the way that i think but okay. he is he's a genius in how he express himself and how he articulate his thoughts and of course as a uh, my my english and baby step english so of course i uh, i really love to read his books over and over mm-hmm. this equation as you see is your happiness is equal to or greater than your perception of an event minus your expectation and the fact is that we the event is is always the same how we think about the event will change this the first parameter and then the next thing that we can control that is exactly what we can control which is our attitude and our actions so if you change your attitude and you know you lower your expectation regardless of what is the actual event and what is your perception which you can work on your perception to be happier it will cause for to a happier life i believe this is the ultimate goal of every single of us it's not success it's happiness but we are layering so much and we are burying ourselves down deep of so many layers that we lose this happiness and that is as simple as it is just follow this path and you will find it
0: Absolutely. It's it's great. I agree with you 100%. I noticed that you now when you shared it, I immediately thought I think a lot of people are so worried about doing and having and they forget to be. They forget mm-hmm. how to be. And in fact, I think in one when you shared about this in the past, I saw a person comment about, well, but if you have success, you can be happy and you said no, it's the other way around. You have to be happy in order to achieve success. And that is quite profound because most people don't look at life that way. They think they have to have this, do this, do that, and then they'll be happy. Then they can become the person. But it's it's really not. It's really the other way around. You You have to be in order to have. And happiness really, I mean, when you talk about perception of events in life, it's the factual stuff, right? Things happen. But there is the story of the thing. So we start to say, well, I think it's because our feelings get in it. We get all entangled in our expectations, but you know this is something that I found out recently for myself. Expectations always have to be low, right? Yeah, it's it's really
1: fascinating how you think about the event. is really important to it's it's a it's a mind work. It's a it's a practice every day, everyday practice. Every
0: day, every day, and if you don't lower your expectations, and I always say this about people. For example, we expect people to change and do the things our way, but I'm like. it's so hard to change yourself. Not How true. do you think that you can change somebody else? You really can't. It's a scam, you know? So um, I really love what you said here. Thank you again so much for doing this and, and being here with us today. I'm going to say just a final goodbye, but I'm going to put you in the waiting room and a little bit wait for me there so that we can say the proper goodbye and I can say thank you again. So everyone, please thank you uh, so much for joining this broadcast today of Love Most, the podcast with Dea, which was season two, episode five, brought to you by Live Mana Mont- Mont- Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you so much again. Have a great day.